Support for Kansas City Today comes from Cleveland University, Kansas City. From its roots as a chiropractic college to new degree programs in health sciences, CUKC is educating healthcare professionals focused on next-level health. Learn more at cleveland.edu slash impact. Support also comes from Grandma's Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'scatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Thursday, February 17th. Coming up, the latest effort by conservative lawmakers to control the teaching of race and history in Kansas schools. I think parents are saying, wait a second, is this happening in my, in my kid's classroom too? And they realize they don't know and they don't know how to find out. Plus, we ask a meteorologist why this winter's weather has been so weird. But first, some headlines. COVID-19 cases continue to fall across the metro, but doctors worry it may be too early to loosen COVID restrictions. Average daily COVID hospitalizations have dropped 19% from last week, and for the eighth consecutive day, the number of cases stands below 1,000, currently just over 200. But COVID deaths and strain on local hospitals continue to be a concern. Dr. Tim Williamson of the University of Kansas Health System said the emergency isn't over yet. We're averaging two to three deaths per day, so I just can't underscore enough. It's not over for the families, the patients, but also the providers that are still taking care of um, these patients and and dealing with, with death every day. The KU Health System has reported 33 deaths so far in February, as local governments continue to loosen masking policies. The U.S. Department of Justice has sued the state of Missouri over the Second Amendment Preservation Act. It's a controversial gun law that prevents Missouri law enforcement from enforcing federal gun laws. In a complaint filed yesterday in a Missouri federal court, the Justice Department argues the law discriminates against federal agencies and workers, limits law enforcement's ability to do their job, and undermines the authority of federal law, which is supposed to take precedence over state law. In a statement, Republican Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt called the lawsuit a partisan attack by the Biden administration on Missourians' Second Amendment rights. The Missouri Supreme Court is currently considering the constitutionality of the law. Some Kansas lawmakers want to change the state constitution to make it easier for them to block rules issued by state agencies. Jim McLean of the Kansas News Service reports they'll need the approval of Kansas voters. The Kansas House is poised to vote on a resolution to put the proposed constitutional change on the November ballot. House Majority Leader Dan Hawkins, a Wichita Republican, says the amendment is needed to check the rulemaking power of the governor and state agencies to make it clear. That the legislature is the body that makes the law and not bureaucrats. Wichita Democrat John Carmichael says changing the balance of power to give lawmakers veto power over rules and regulations that protect everything from the environment to injured workers isn't a good idea. This proposed constitutional amendment turns that balance on its head. Both chambers of the legislature need to pass the resolution with two-thirds majorities to put it on the ballot. Independence Mayor Eileen Weir says she's withdrawing from the race for mayor, ending her campaign for a third term. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has more. 
Weir's announcement follows last week's primary election, when she barely squeaked out a second-place finish behind Missouri Representative Rory Rowland, who received almost 30% of the vote. A little over 100 votes separated Weir from third-place finisher Colleen Huff. Weir told the Independence Examiner that part of what influenced her decision was her desire to not run a negative campaign. Although Weir suspended her campaign, her name will still be on the ballot on April 5th. Weir was first elected mayor in 2014. By the time you hear this, we'll probably already know how this week's winter storm is playing out. But earlier this week, meteorologists had a hard time predicting how much snow the Kansas City area would get and where it would fall. I spoke to National Weather Service meteorologist Scott Blair about why the weather can be so hard to predict at this time of year. So there's two parts of of why we've seen such uh, uncertainty with the system. Uh, The very first one has been, uh, and this is very common for this this area, is the thermodynamic profile. It sounds super sciencey, right? All that means is the temperature profile from the surface all the way up to, let's say, 7,000 feet is very critical in determining the type of wintry weather you're going to get. You know, a lot of people might just think, you know, oh, if it's below 32 degrees at the surface, we're probably going to get snow. And it's definitely not that simple. They're, they're really, it's a, a very sensitive temperature profile that will determine whether you get freezing rain, whether you get sleet, or whether you're just going to get all rain, or whether you're going to get snow. And uh, that resolution, when we're trying to predict that for one given point in the vertical, can be very challenging, especially when you're talking about several days out, when the actual weather system might still be off the western coast of California before it actually moves in. just hasn't been sampled that well in the vertical. So, so many variables when it comes just with anticipating precipitation type uh, creates high uncertainty to to then how much snow are you going to get? Are you going to get more freezing rain? Are you going to get more sleet? And then the other big challenge uh, is this band of snow with this particular system isn't particularly wide. We're talking about uh, an area of roughly maybe 100 miles wide is going to see the greatest amount of snowfall. So as we're moving into an event, say two, three, four days away, uh, trying to pinpoint exactly where a band of heavy snow is going to occur that's only 100 miles wide, uh, where any slight shift in the system can drastically reduce or increase snowfall, uh, that adds a lot of uncertainty into trying to forecast specific amounts for a given area. We've had a lot of ups and downs in temperature this winter. Do we know why that is? Well, you know, when, we, when we're looking at temperature swings uh, and what we've seen so far this year, really it, it does at times seem like, oh, wow, we're a lot warmer or we're a lot cooler. Uh, but really that, kind of, that begins to just average out what our typical you know, temperature average is going to be. So uh, we're seeing temperatures well into the 60s. And that, that's expected for this time of year at, out ahead of a really dynamic early spring-type storm system uh, where you have a lot of warm air moving in advance of that system uh, all the way up from the Gulf of Mexico. That's why it even feels a little bit humid today. Uh, but behind that, we have the same kind of dynamic cooling system where that cold air is going to rapidly filter in. So a lot of times it's, it's you know, people like to say the clash of the air masses, right? And that, in, a, in a essence, that's what's happening where you will see these big temperature swings out ahead of a real 
uh, intense or dynamic system, and just likewise on the backside, a big swing back down with temperatures behind the system. Have those swings in temperature affected your ability to forecast the weather over the past couple months? It hasn't. Uh, the, the temperatures themselves have been fairly forecasted pretty accurately. The, the biggest challenge we've had this winter, uh, especially when we're talking for the Kansas City area, is that Several of these storm tracks have been very similar, and and what that means then for us is that the gradient of snowfall for a lot of these systems have been lining up right across the Kansas City metro area. And that's, again, a, a very big challenge when you're talking about forecasting days in advance, trying to pretty much localize an area of maybe 25 miles wide uh, where somebody might only be getting one inch of snow and then again, 25 miles south of that, they might be getting five inches of snow. Uh, and it just, this is just kind of by chance, it's happened that the storm tracks have been very similar to where that, the very biggest challenge, the very greatest uncertain area has tended to align uh, right across Kansas City several times this winter during some of these uh, challenging winter storms. How much effect has climate change had on local weather? Do we know? Well, we certainly uh, have seen a warmer December. December was uh, abnormally warm uh, for this area in particular. Uh, as we've gotten into uh, January, uh, we've been very similar. Or the, the readings have been very similar for, uh, for what we would normally see from a climate perspective. That was National Weather Service meteorologist Scott Blair. As Kansas lawmakers and conservative activists look to limit discussions of race in public schools, some are lining up to support a new effort, curriculum transparency. It's an outgrowth of the fight over how schools teach about topics like racism. But Suzanne Perez of the Kansas News Service reports the discussion is made even more complex by the fact that many teaching materials are copyrighted. Welcome to my website, and thank you for uh, taking a few minutes to visit. That's Gary Howard, founder of a diversity training program called Deep Equity. It's from a video he uses to explain his program to educators. We are failing too many of our kids in our public school systems, not just failing them grade-wise, but failing to reach them and teach the them. The Shawnee Mission School District in Kansas spent about $400,000 on Deep Equity workshops for teachers. But because of copyright protections, those workshops weren't recorded or shared online. That's one target of a new push from lawmakers and conservative activists who want what they call curriculum transparency. They're introducing legislation that would require Kansas districts to post all their teaching and training materials online. Republican Representative Susan Estes, a former teacher, says back when lessons were centered on textbooks, parents had an easier time knowing what their kids were learning at school. But not today. So much of what is happening that parents are concerned about is happening conversationally in the classroom. So a parent is really left in the dark and never should be left in the dark. Republican Kansas lawmakers have introduced what they call a parent's bill of rights. It would require school districts to post a whole slew of material online, from lesson plans to information about guest speakers and field trips. It's the next step in the nationwide battle over critical race theory, which conservatives have linked to racial sensitivity training or lessons about discrimination. Rodney Penn runs a group called Kansas Parents Involved in Education. He says lessons about white privilege or gender identity have some parents wanting more details on what's happening in schools. I think parents are saying, wait a second, is this happening in my, in my kid's classroom too? And they realize they don't know and they don't know how to find out. 
Many proponents of curriculum transparency point to a comment Virginia Democrat Terry McAuliffe made in a gubernatorial debate last fall. That I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. You know, McAuliffe went on to lose that election, and his comment became a battle cry for those who claim schools are silencing parents and cutting them out of education. A Shawnee Mission parent told Kansas lawmakers recently that she was barred from seeing some materials because of copyright protections. Representative Estes demanded answers from district spokesman David Smith. And can I come in and look at um, the, the curriculum that you mentioned in your written testimony? You're welcome to come in and look at anything that you want. James Tager is with the free speech group PEN America, which is fighting curriculum transparency measures. He says the laws amount to educational gag orders. A lot of schools already have procedures by which a curricular may be already available, so there's the question of why we even need these laws. Many school districts post lists of novels approved for high school English classes, along with which state standards the lessons might cover. But once kids are in a classroom talking, it's hard to say what direction a discussion will take. Brent Lewis is president of the Wichita Teachers Union and says teaching is an organic, creative process. Making teachers post detailed lesson plans as much as a year ahead of time would be not only impractical, he says, but also bad for kids. It seems if you wanted to do harm to education of our children, you would make teachers provide one-size-fits-all instruction like this instead of allowing us to adapt and, and meet the needs of individual students. Kansas lawmakers will hold hearings on the Parents' Bill of Rights in coming weeks. The measure could prevent districts from entering into any contract that keeps parents from viewing materials. For the Kansas News Service, I'm Suzanne Perez in Wichita. The Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. You can find more at ksnewsservice.org. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and Trevor Grandin and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Suzanne's story about school transparency in Kansas, visit kcur.org, where you can also hear a live stream of Kansas City's NPR station. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.